0: Well, hi there, and welcome to Unshaken. I'm Julie Van Warmer, your host for today's episode, and I'm so glad you're joining me. I want to take a minute before we get started and invite you to head over to our socials, Facebook and Instagram. Follow or like us at Women of the Word CTW. This is our umbrella account that covers and highlights this podcast, Unshaken, our blog called Planted, our Mom to Mom ministry aimed at encouraging mothers in the work they do, and also our Regarding Him conference that happens yearly in March. There is so much good content. On these socials, you are not going to want to miss it, so go follow them today. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast directory, like Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, CastBox. It helps us out, and it also helps you out, because you get notifications of new episodes that drop each and every Thursday. You can also reach out to us at unshakenpsalms622 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you if you ever have any ideas, suggestions, or thoughts about an episode. Or maybe you just want to tell me about something that you heard on an episode and how it impacted you. Finally, Unshaken is a podcast for women, put on by women, and our goal is to encourage and challenge and point women to Jesus Christ. And as you know, with Jesus, we can be unshaken no matter our circumstances hey let's jump right into our episode today all right logic this is something that we use every day don't we like I need to logically think about running errands it's something I do often and so I'd rather use logic to get around truthfully I literally do this just like my mom did she used to make a list of stores that she needed to go to in the order that she needed to go to save time. Like she would go to the grocery store, then she'd go to the post office, then the gas station, the pharmacy, and maybe stop at the library. And under each title of the store, she'd write down exactly what she needed to do there to save time. And then, um, you know, I, I remember thinking this was so dumb. I was I remember being like 14 and thought, oh, this is so irritating that you have to write this on a paper. Why can't you remember? Um, And it was kind of embarrassing because we'd run into people and my mom would have a little notebook in her hand with exactly where to go. Um, Seriously, you know, I thought you can't possibly remember how to get to each store. But I have to humbly apologize to my mother out loud on this episode today because for the fact that I had these truly evil comments in my brain, because I do the exact same thing now, I do the exact same thing. Um, probably you do something logically like your parents, um, because our, our parents tend to, we do things logically. That's just how it is, and we have to follow in our parents' footsteps in many ways. Um, have you ever heard of the fallacies in logic? Fallacies are common errors in reasoning that will undermine the logic of your argument. Fallacies can either be illegitimate arguments or irrelevant points but they seem like they're important. And they're often identified because they lack evidence that supports their claim. So here's just a couple examples before we kick into our topic today. So there's the, the logic fallacy called the slippery slope. You might have heard of this. It's just a conclusion based on the premise that if A happens, then eventually through a series of small steps, you'll get to B, C, and eventually X, Y, and Z will happen. So if you do A, you'll automatically end up at Z. So if we don't want Z to occur, Well, we shouldn't start with A, right? So like, for example, this is if we ban Hummers because they're bad for the environment, eventually the government will ban all cars, so we should not ban Hummers. Okay, I don't really care about the environment so much. However, it's a good fallacy to think about. There's another one that's Latin, so it's post hoc ergo propter hoc. I'm so not Latin, but it's okay. Uh, Anyone out there who knows how to say that properly, I'm sorry, but this means that if A occurs... If, I'm sorry, if A occurred then after B, then B must have caused A, okay? Like, I drank out of a bottled water, so, and now I'm sick. So the water must have been what made me sick. And we, we all know that that isn't probably true. I mean, it could be. Um, there are just many, many, many more fallacies. But honestly, they're just really believing something that's not true or not logical. So today we're going to talk about this in the area of dating, And I'm really excited about this. These fallacies come to us through books, movies, TV shows, country songs, or any pop song, actually. Um, And I think country songs seem to be the worst because, you know, somebody breaks up and their truck breaks down and their dog dies. All kinds of bad things happen. But lots of things come as we sing them and we read them and we watch them that make us believe it. We're going to take some time to talk about these, what these are, and what makes them wrong or what is wrong in them according to the Bible. I have nine fallacies to share. Now perhaps you're listening and you think, I do not need to talk about dating, I'm married, or you know, I've been married for 20 years, like I don't need to do this. But I want you to hold on. If you are in high school or college student, then you need to listen to this. This is actually specifically for that time era in life. Um, but if you're engaged, um, I want you to listen too because there's a lot of good truth in here. and Even if you're married, these fallacies and lies can stay with us and carry into marriage and they can really affect our marriage in many ways. So listen to us. And if you are blessed to be a mother, a youth worker, an aunt, a grandma, a sister, a friend, basically any woman out there, you need to listen so you can help the women in your life who are going through this time in life and figure out how to help them through it. So let me start off by introducing you to my three guests. We are a crowded studio today. I'm very excited to have all three of these ladies here. Um, I'm excited. They all have some great wisdom. So I'm going to introduce you to Allie Dougherty. She's been on the podcast before with me a few times, and she's married to Jordan for 19 years this May. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Um, she's a mother of how many, Allie?
1: Ten and one on the way.
0: Wow. <laughs> We are happy for you. That's exciting. It's been a little while since you've been dating, huh? Just a little bit.
1: (laughs) Um, So I have been married almost 20 years. So it's been at least 20 years since I've been dating. Um, Oh, but you still date during marriage. Well, yeah, we date every week, which is nice. But the whole like anticipation and deciding if you're supposed to be dating that person, Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Jordan and I actually dated for three months and then we were engaged for nine months. But we like to joke that it was pretty much the worst nine months of our life together. <laughs> so, you know, engagement is hard and that just might even be a great idea for a future podcast because mm. engagement in the first years, there's a lot going on there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We're really not going to touch on that too much. But you're right. That's a, its a whole entire thing. So, Allie, what is your favorite type of date?
1: Well, like I said, we do still date, um, and this should be my favorite date because we pretty much do it every week. So every Saturday, we go to some sort of Mexican restaurant, normally early, so it's quiet, and they don't try and kick you out. You can just sit and talk for as long as you want to, Um, and then we'll go walk around different stores, kind of like a normally like some sort of home improvement store (laughs) or goodwill or the dollar store and we'll just stock up on fun things for our kids or the home and that's a lot of fun to do together and then recently i mean this last winter we just really love high school basketball so we've followed several teams in the area whether they stream them online or go and watch it's just a lot of fun something we both really enjoy
0: that's great. I love that. I like um, I like that it sounds like just normal stuff you got to do. That's what happens <laughs> yeah. after you're married. It's, your dates are normal stuff. It is. Let's go to fun. the grocery store together, <laughs> you know? All right. Uh, my next guest has been on for a few times, and I'm really glad to welcome back Rebecca Kepler. She is married to Zach, and she is mom to three little energetic children with amazingly fun names. Okay, so she has Robin Steadfast. We've heard a little bit about Robin in a past episode, and then we have Jasper Clyde, and her newest little one juniper camden i love these names and i love that you called juniper juni yes yeah okay so how old is juniper
2: she's about six weeks
0: wow she's really little yes yeah. and when was she born
2: she was born january 8th
0: oh i'm january 10th
2: <laughs> i know so.
0: she narrowly missed like all of the january birthdays yeah, yeah. in my family is that right um, how long have has it been since you and Zach were dating?
2: So we have been married five years this month. Um, so we started dating a year before we got married. So it's been six years since, since we started dating. That's uh,
0: you're still dating though. We are. Yeah, yes. still doing yes. fun things. There's
2: you know different so, different times in our marriage where we go on more dates and less. Yes, dates, but yes. Still this do. is true. And what's your
0: favorite kind of date?
2: Our favorite kind of date is when we are able to like walk around and look at houses so our favorite is going up to a town across the border in michigan that has just a lot of really cute towns they also have coffee shops Mm. or a lot of cute houses and so we'll get coffee and just like walk around and look at the houses that's That's our favorite my husband's a carpenter and we both just really like houses yeah
0: and you have the the art feel so you like to look and see and will you someday build your own house do you think I don't know.
2: I don't think we would build it, but I could definitely see us buying an old house and Fixing renovating it, up. yeah, like an old farmhouse or something yeah. like that. We That's would really cool. enjoy
0: that. I think that would be that. That would be your date for like six six years. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> to fix it up. Okay. All right. My last guest is a little special to me. It's my daughter in law, Hannah Van Warmer. She is married to Jacob, and the mom to, in my opinion, the cutest little bundle of a chunk <laughs> baby named Quinn. I'm a little bit partial. I do love her. And I think, um, I think she listens to the podcast.
3: Am I right, Hannah? Yes. Yeah, so Quinn and I love to listen to the podcast while driving. And actually, recently, Quinn um, heard Grandma's voice, and she got really excited and started looking all over, trying to find Grandma, and talking <laughs> back to you. So... <laughs> Well, good. That's fun that you listen. Hannah, how long has it been since you have been dating? Um, So Jacob and I have been married for two and a half years, and we were engaged for six months before that. So it's been three years since we were dating. Okay. What is your favorite kind of date? Our favorite kind of date is picnics. We haven't gone on too many since we got married, but when we were dating, we frequently went on picnics, and we love to just take walks and sit by maybe the river and enjoy dinner.
0: You know what's interesting is in all of your dates, what you do now there's a theme of like a walk somewhere in there whether it's mm-hmm. in a store mm-hmm. it's just I think that's actually just spending time together well and I think walks are so much better because you're not just sitting
2: across the table from yeah. someone like staring at them trying to think of things to, to talk, talk about. about you're actually doing things and looking at yeah. things I think that's much better than just yeah sitting
0: I love it I love that theme I actually that's what Bill and I love to do is We'll, we'll actually go to all three of the things you're talking about. Sometimes we'll go look at houses. Sometimes we'll go to Home Depot. I mean, really, this is just what we do. So I think it's fun. OK, are you guys ready to get started on this amazingly hot topic today? We yeah. are. Dating. You got all the answers? No, will
2: that's why you asked three of us because <laughs> of us have a different answer yes this a is different true question
0: yeah okay so here's what i'm gonna do i am gonna give you guys the fallacy or the lie about dating and i want you guys to tell me what is wrong and maybe if there's any truth in it because there might be something true mm-hmm. i want you to tell me what the bible says and how we as women should think and act in response to this. How do we think and act correctly? I also have another couple of questions at the end that just didn't fit in these that I thought were specific that we should talk about. So we'll get to those. I also want to say that the um, actress in me is going to give these to you in a little bit of a dramatic way with a little exaggerated (laughs) way. So I'm not sure that anyone would ever say these outright. I want to make that clear. I don't think anyone's walking around and saying these fallacies, but I think we believe them. And sometimes when we say them out loud, we're like, oh wow, I actually do believe that. Okay, are you ready? Yes. Okay, fallacy number one is called first date, the one. Here it is. I will know for sure on the first date that he is the one. I am confident that if on the first date, I don't think he's the one, I am done dating him. Like, you know, goodbye. Maybe I might try one more date just in case I wasn't paying close attention, but I'm done with it. So what do you guys think? Is this true? Allie, why don't
1: you start us off? Oh boy, okay. Um, Well, although I do believe God gives us evidence of bringing couples together and how they complement each other and how they seem to be perfectly made for one another, those things are not always clear right off the bat. Um, We continue to see these kinds of blessings years into marriage, and this is really the fun part about unpacking God's good gifts. We, it's not something you see immediately you get to see it years and years and years and we still look at each other and go oh, wow that's really cool <laughs> how you were made for me in that way um so i thought through like what does the idea of the one imply um and so i had four thoughts and i'm sure there's a ton more but these are the four i had so it often implies One, the need for an immediate or deep feeling on a first or second date. Two, that there is no place for uncertainty. Three, the other person is supposed to fulfill an understood or undeclosed list of traits or follow a specific procedure. And then lastly, um, that it's up to the man to make all the sparks fly. So this is probably one I have most thoughts about. But let's just start in here. So, you know, the idea of the one means we need these immediate deep feelings um, or just feelings in general. So, you know, we live in a culture that's just conditioned to instant satisfaction and feedback. You know, you post a picture and you get immediate likes. Um, We need to know anything we can google it or if we forgot something at the grocery store we can just have it delivered to our house i mean it's really crazy so even though the idea of meeting someone and having this instant satisfaction of knowing they're the one that just really seems romantic you know it really just robs you and your future spouse the just the fun of getting to know one another and trusting god and unpacking his blessings and you know receiving input from others that was really huge in my life um recounting your specific story seeing what god is going to do and how you have to trust him in that um now i will say that when i did first meet jordan i knew he was different from other guys that i had known in the past Um, however, I didn't know why that was important for me. So I did have to take time to trust God and ask for advice from people around me who knew him, because honestly, he was a complete stranger to me. Um, you have to ask Cheryl about that story, Cheryl Bailey. She had some fun input for me. Um, and then I needed to evaluate whether my thoughts were in the right place. So although I say I knew things were different with Jordan, that does imply I had dated or had other male friendships or other interactions before him to know that it was even different from something else. So it's not altogether bad to have, you know, different experiences, um, dating, conversations, friendships, that kind of stuff. And all of that had its place to help me realize over time that he was, he was the one and it was worth, you know, continuing to invest in. Um, You remember on the podcast a couple weeks ago when Rochelle mentioned in the podcast on love, like dating does have a purpose. And it is for the purpose of getting to know someone and for them to get to know you. So just because the guy asked you out doesn't actually mean he's completely certain. You are the one either. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you are both in the same boat there. I thought Um. that was a great point she made
0: (laughs) a couple weeks ago on the episode. It was good. It's good to remember that.
1: Right. I think it's it's very important um, because I think even as women, we put all these unregistered thoughts on the man like they have it all made up in their minds and that's not true so that kind of leads us to our second point that there's no room for uncertainty so hebrews five fourteen says but solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil so before i lose you dating is not figuring out if someone is good or evil <laughs> um, <laughs> but what scripture does teach us is that as believers we should be growing and maturing So first, you may want to ask yourself, am I a maturing Christian? Or ask a trusted friend or an older woman, where do you see me growing and maturing in obedience to Christ? You know, if you are not seeing this in your life, then a new relationship may not be wise. Um, This scripture also encourages us to ask, am I practicing discernment in multiple areas of my life? So the words practice and training they imply that these things are happening on a regular basis and they do require work and work with people and work to ask questions and work to learn scripture. So, you know, where where does uncertainty fall in here? Well, as you're a growing and maturing Christian practicing discernment, then you may not know if he's the one immediately. However, you should have a good idea Of what his character is like is he he growing and maturing what are ways that you could see him lead and challenge you or what are ways that you could compliment him and these things don't need to be 100 percent figured out but your practice of discernment should give you a good idea whether or not dating could be further explored Hmm. um so i said this is my longest one (laughs) the third reason is um so the other person is just supposed to fulfill an understood and undisclosed list of traits or follow a specific procedure. That's right. what
0: happens in all the Hallmark movies, right? right
1: <laughs> a plus B equals C with Right, these <laughs> um, But from personal experience um, and general observation, you know, people are normally dating in their early 20s, and that's also the time that you're really stepping into adulthood And making your faith more your own even if you've been a Christian your whole life and with all of that just comes often a very strong tendency to be legalistic in your thinking and your actions because you want to obey God and that's Mm -hmm. natural But at the same time when it comes to dating you know I made all these unwritten rules and guidelines in my head that I had this thing that I wanted my husband to be or the process of how I want it to happen and It's good to have thought about those things. um, But you also have to be really open if they don't perfectly line up. And I think Rebecca talks a little more on that later. But because the guy who asked you out didn't first follow like this standard protocol that you believe is the right way, it doesn't mean he's not the one. (laughs) And I learned to trust God Mm -hmm. in dating outside of my rules and lists. And I was greatly Blessed beyond what I could have ever imagined and it made those things that were really important to me all the sweeter because God gave those to me as well. Mm. So that that is an encouragement to our young people. Like it is great to have understanding and things you want in your life, but don't discount it because it doesn't follow into your set of preordained mm. rules and right, thoughts. <laughs> right. Um and lastly It's up to the man to make all those sparks fly. That's also in Hallmark movies. (laughs) Right. But I am going to poke a little bit of fun here because of all the ways that we as women have to fight feminism, suddenly we stop fighting at dating and think, this guy has to wow me and he has to make the sparks fly and otherwise he's not the one. And there's just something to be said about him taking the lead and in initiating. I don't discount that at all. But your emotions are your emotions. And he's figuring out his own emotions, too, plus how to discern your emotions. And I think that's a really pretty big job. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> so Song of Solomon 8.4 says, I want you to swear, O daughters of Jerusalem, Do not arouse or awaken my love until she pleases. And this can teach us a couple of different things. You know, first, you really must discern if you're ready for dating. And we already talked about spiritual maturity, but I think it's also helpful to consider our emotional maturity. Mm. And if you're tossed about by everything, then you may not be ready for dating. Remember, this doesn't mean that you have to be hundred percent certain (laughs) it means um, can you navigate emotions and uncertainty do you have a firm foundation and don't enter the emotional world of dating if on a daily basis you're not controlling or aware of your own emotions Hmm. Um, are you ready to combine your emotions with another person and then be led by them and the woman in this passage she holds a great amount of power in awakening the man's love and so that's just things that we as women really need to be aware of when we're thinking about dating um and lastly you know there is a healthy reciprocation in dating that needs to come from the woman so remember the guy should be driving the train in a certain amount of initiation um that is another thing to be aware of if it's always you but the guy also needs your feedback as well, and he's not going to continue to put himself out there if you're just a brick wall. <laughs> um, if you if you read the rest of Song of Solomon, there's a lot of back and forth in their relationship, and she's communicating and initiating in the relationship in order to help it grow. And so um, when you do have a sense of, I think this is at least going somewhere profitable, you have to give some level of um, feedback and input into the relationship.
0: Mm, that's really, really helpful. And I think probably we should you should pause the episode right now, go grab a notebook, because you're probably going to want to take some notes after listening to that and all the other things we're going to talk about, because what you said had a lot of truth in it. And I think that's so helpful to listen to. Um, one of the things you said that I really appreciate is the fact that you reminded us and young people, I feel so old saying that. <laughs> young people, you reminded us that if we're, when we get zealous about something, sometimes we become legalistic and we say, this is the only way. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a good thing to just repeat that we don't wanna be legalistic and base it on our own rules. And I think we're gonna find that shows up in this episode a lot. And that's kind of weird to think about dating and legalism, but I, I think it's gonna show up. Okay. All right, are you guys ready for fallacy number two? This is called The Rockstar Christian. My future husband needs to be a rock star Christian in order for me to date him. He needs to be well-known, maybe even on his way to be a pastor. He needs to lead Bible studies and know lots, and I mean lots, of theology. I can't marry a newbie or someone who is just going to be an average person working in an average job, you know, not a Bible study leader, just an attender of a Bible study, or someone who's just learning and growing in Christ on their own pace. Like, I I just, I don't know. Rebecca. Rebecca. You get to start this off for us.
2: Well, I don't know if you asked me this question because you know my backstory with Zach, but I can definitely relate to this because I went from thinking that I was going to marry this super talented worship pastor because, you know, I play music at our church. You're
0: very musical, like hyper musical, which is a gift from God. (laughs)
2: but but i thought i was going to marry you know yeah the perfect complement to my musical skills (laughs) and then i ended up marrying someone who i literally said when i was 10 that he was the last person at our church that i would ever marry (laughs) the last person (laughs) and lo and behold we got married um so what changed in between then and now Well, he did, you know. Hmm. I'm sure that Allie and Julie can vouch for
0: that one. Yes, he scared me for a while. (laughs) (laughs) As a young man, like, (laughs) whoo!
2: But my perspective Mm. of him and myself changed as well. So he changed, but my perspective also changed. I I went from looking at who Zach was right now to who he could become and Mm -hmm. who he was becoming. And so I think when you are dating when you're considering dating, that you need to have a little bit of imagination for that person that you're considering dating or marrying. You need to go from evaluating whether they are complete and perfect right now to evaluating where they are going and if they are growing and if they are seeking God. You need to be able to see the little sprouts of growth and imagine what that will look like when it's full grown. What that person will look like when they're You know 10 20 30 years older and how you could actually help and foster that growth if you married him Mm -hmm. so when you get married you also are your husband's helper you have that opportunity to make up for areas in which he lacks I'm not saying that you can totally cover all of his failures but if you see a man who is say kind of disorganized and you're really organized well you could actually be a really big help to him in that area and you could accomplish more together than you would separately, because Mm. he probably has a lot of strengths where you are lacking. Such a good point. And now, of course, you need to see really tangible evidences of growth, and you need to ask others if they can see those evidences, because what you don't want to do is to have too much imagination and see things that are not there and then accidentally start, like, a missionary dating sort of situation where you're dating someone who's not actually growing or not actually a Christian. Um, But you need to have a little bit of imagination and faith in the god who is able to do far more than we could ever ask or think and i think a lot of times when a girl has really high expectations of her husband or future husband kind of what we were talking about earlier about the legalism having these you know expectations in your head those end up not necessarily being because she really wants to honor god but because she has a really high view of herself ouch Yes. So she's proud. She can't see anything less than a super crazy godly man being what she deserves. I would say that that was at least partly true for me when I wanted to marry that super talented worship pastor. And I just want to add... Zach has literally no musical talents other than doing a really good impersonation impersonation of Mr. Lent singing the cheeseburger song. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and veggie Tales. Um, that's his only musical talent.
0: I'm going to have to ask him about that if he yes. can share it.
2: Yes. Um, but if a girl is thinking in this way, she really needs to evaluate, evaluate whether her high expectation is out of a desire to live for God or if it's out of a desire... An entitlement and high view of herself and fulfilling herself. It isn't wrong to desire to marry a man who you know is capable of leading Bible studies and who is a leader and all of that good stuff. That's really good. We should have good expectations. We don't want to settle for the man that we're gonna be with for the rest of our life, but we also need to have a realistic view of people. Even the guys who you think are most godly have sin, and bad character traits. And then you need to evaluate yourself. You need to ask yourself, am I the type of woman that my ideal husband wants to marry? Or do I have this idea of a godly man? And then my life does not live Mm. up to that. Yeah. I remember hearing someone say that you need to be the wife that your ideal husband wants to marry. So if you want to be married to someone who's a leader, Then you need to think about what characteristics do I need to develop in order to be who that person wants to marry. You can ask yourself questions like Am I pursuing excellence in what I do? Am I pursuing being a leader wherever I am? Am I serving the church in every way that I can? And on and on. You could even look at godly marriages that you know of, maybe your pastor and his wife, or your small group leader and his wife, whatever, and see, okay. This is the kind of man that I would want to marry. So what is his wife like? What godly characteristics does
0: she have that I need to emulate? Mm, So, so helpful. And I, again, repeat, I think these are so good. You might want to, there's so much in there. Like, you might need to re-listen to this episode. Because I think there's a lot to think and so much to take in. All right, are we ready for fallacy number three? It is called the hot hubby. My future husband needs to be hot, like smoking hot. That is what I need (laughs) To be happy is a hot husband. I need an Abercrombie and Fitch model type guy, you know? Um, you know, the kind that always has their shirt off for some reason, <laughs> like everywhere they go, right? Oh and then if he's a rock star Christian, then wow, I am all set. And if I'm not attracted to a guy, then nope, I'm not even gonna re- think about remotely dating him. Hannah, they got to go first, so I'm giving <laughs> you a chance at this one first.
3: Yay. This is such a prominent fallacy and one that I think many, many people fall into believing that physical attraction must be instant. I actually believed this fallacy and many of the other fallacies that we're addressing today. Um, So there is a distinction here that I think we should make right off the bat, and that is the distinction between emotional and physical attraction. Um, So emotional attraction is based on an understanding of who this person is internally, Um, This emotional attraction actually includes a very broad variety of things and um, could probably even be broken up into more categories. Um, It includes, most importantly, their relationship and love for Christ, their personality, their likes, dislikes, etc. Then we have the physical attraction, um, which is just a mere physical attraction appear they're based on their physical appearance and perhaps maybe some of their external mannerisms um, so the reason that i address this distinction is because we need to understand how far more important the emotional attraction is to the physical attraction as we approach this fallacy we need to remember that how you look now is not how you will always look this may seem basic but we do quickly forget this um, that that is the same for the person that you're dating. Inevitably, their weight will fluctuate. Their hair will turn gray or maybe even fall out. They'll add some wrinkles to their smile, etc.
0: Okay. I just have to stop for a minute because recently I was looking at old pictures. So everybody knows I have very, very distinct gray hair and I'm fine with it. I'm like, so I'm not dying it. it. Yeah, <laughs> Allie does too. Anyway, and I remember recently I was looking at pictures and my son, Daniel, who is my youngest, said, wow, you had brown hair once? <laughs> And I was like, wow. (laughs)
3: Okay, yes, you are correct. (laughs) We change over time, Uh, Hannah. You're right. (laughs) So with that being said, the truth about this fallacy is that attraction in general, so emotional and physical attraction, is not always instant. It can be, certainly, but it is not always. Um, As you begin to date someone and you begin to get to the core of who this person is and have an increased emotional attraction this increase actually grows the physical attraction as well. Mm-hmm. And that goes for everyone. I think anyone can testify that even if they thought their husband was a drop-dead smoke show at f- first glance, <laughs> I've <never heard> that. <laughs> <laughs> that their physical attraction correlates positively with their emotional um Attraction too. I remember when I was dating, I always heard women talking about how they had an increased love and attraction for their husband many years into their marriage than they did on their wedding day. And I remember thinking this was so strange because your wedding day is like supposed to be this the best day of, of your life. And yeah. you're so in love, you know, and you are, but you, that grows. Um, but this, but this is the same idea and it's so true that the more that you get to know and understand who a person is through a relationship, the more you are attracted to them both physically and emotionally. Um, now I'm not saying that you will have an emotional or physical attraction with anyone you date. I don't think that's true. Um, you should not continue in a relationship with someone that you don't find attractive at all even after dating for a while. Um, You should have an increased physical attraction for the person you're in a relationship with. Physical attraction is a very important part Mm -hmm. of marriage and it is a gift that God does give us. However, I do think that having an open mind and going on a few dates with someone who you wouldn't hire to be an Crombie & Fitch model right away could prove to be a great blessing to you. Who a person is, how they treat you and others, and ultimately that they are growing and maturing in Christ is far, far more important than what they look like physically at the beginning of your relationship Mm. and as you get to know that side of them your physical attraction to them will continue to grow as Mm. well
1: good points I agree with all of that I think you know looking back again to my college years when I was in college involved in college ministry there were a lot of young guys who were serving the Lord and growing in faith but I wasn't physically attracted to them and i think as a young woman i did get to a point where i thought if i'm going to marry a christian then i'm just not going to be attracted to him and that (laughs) was a i mean a lie that i believed so i think the funny part is that my husband thought the same thing Hmm. you know when you're in a christian circle of young people i think sometimes you do believe okay in order to marry a christian i'm just not going to be attracted to them um so although physical attraction may not be the first thing that occurs and you talked about that you know over time it can grow or it cannot grow and that's something to be aware of but um, it is important that it occurs yeah and so you know physical intimacy is one of the greatest gifts of marriage and that's not something that you just ignore and hope it changes right. over right. time yeah that's a really good ending point to that
0: we do need to be physically attracted but there's so much more to it mm-hmm. yeah. right now Absolutely. in the movies and the, and the stories, the, the country songs, it's like, I saw the girl across the bar, right? Right. And she's the one kind of thing because she's so beautiful. So there's so much more to that. Fallacy is truly not true. <laughs> okay. Fallacy number four, only one perfect guy. There is only one guy out there that is my perfect fit. He will satisfy all my needs. We will work together like a hand and a glove. Like the Hallmark movie that I watched last weekend where the girls engaged to that workaholic lawyer in a big city, she realizes he isn't for her. So she takes that small job in a, as a nurse in a local clinic, and she falls madly in love with the little baker in the little junk bakery, you know, and um, the little local bakery, and he even makes donuts for her French poodle. I mean, it was the best movie ever. Okay, okay. Just a side note, I don't really watch Hallmark, but I know people do it, and I think this is the premise of every one of those Hallmark movies, basically. I think my life, this is what the fallacy says, needs to be a Hallmark movie. Yeah, I have not watched a Hallmark movie, like, at all, ever.
2: But I have watched all of the spoofs of Hallmark movies, oh. and those are very oh. fun to, like, <laughs> you know. Um, so to answer the actual question... Your idea of your perfect husband is probably not actually what you need in a husband, Mm. as illustrated by my own marriage, you know, marrying the total opposite person that I thought I was going to marry. And honestly, if you are a Christian who's growing in faith, then you really should theoretically be able to marry any guy who is also growing in faith. Mm. And that's not to say that some guys are, you know, not going to be a better fit than others or whatever. There are going to be better fits than others. But if you're looking for the perfect guy, you're probably either not going to get married or you're going to miss out on guys who actually would have been really great husbands. Yeah.
3: Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. I agree with Rebecca. And touching more on the hand-in-glove aspect of this fallacy, I grew up absolutely convinced that I was destined to marry a very, very certain kind of guy. He was going to be a really cool jock, he was going to be an extrovert like me, he was going to love all the same things as me, he was going to be a night owl like me, and he was was going to own his own company, and we were just going to have fun all the time. Now if you know me personally, you know that I married a self-proclaimed nerd who is an engineer. He has never played a sport unless you count soccer when he was five. He wasn't very good at it. He's definitely more on the introverted side and he loves to wake up early and to be productive. Um, Though we do have a lot of fun. The man I married is not what I had imagined. And I praise God for providing me with the person he knew I really needed looking back there was just plenty plenty of pride in my way of thinking i was very selfish in this thought Um, i didn't care about this potential husband's interest or his personality i just wanted the male version of myself (laughs) which is definitely not what i needed Um, really the only thing that i should have been looking for was a man who loves god and is growing in him and i should have been trusting god that he knows better than i do um reiterating rebecca's point that does not mean that some guys won't fit better than others but my challenge would be not to look for a guy who is the male version of you thinking that that is the only guy out there um but first looking for a man who loves and is pursuing god
0: hmm. i think we have a theme going through all <laughs> of these so let's keep going and see what happens okay fallacy number 5 is singleness is a burden so um being single is a burden i cannot really serve god Until I am married and I have a few cute little kids, you know, in little outfits to post on my Instagram story, along with a sweet Bible verse, you know. So I'm just gonna sit over here and wait. I need a husband so I can serve God. And I don't know why God hasn't given me a husband yet. Like, honestly, do single people really do good things for God? So if you're not serving
2: God in your current stage of life, you are not going to serve God in the next phase of life. This is a lie that I think applies to many aspects of life. Yeah, that's like,
0: actually a really... Say that again. That is a really important part.
2: Uh, if you're not serving God in your current stage of life, you are not going to serve God in your next phase of mm-hmm. life. Wow. Um, when you get married, you're going to say that you can't serve God until you have a baby. Hmm because isn't the whole point of marriage to have a baby? That's what you're going to say. Then, then you're going to say that you can't serve God until that baby is a toddler because you can't teach that baby you know, Bible verses. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to say that you can't serve God until you have multiple kids and then on and on and on. So if you want a life of serving God, you need to start now.
0: Hmm.
2: And the church needs single people who are willing to serve. You may feel busy if you're juggling school and a job and whatever else you have going on. you have a freedom with your schedule that say moms with little kids don't have even you have more freedom than a married woman that just has a husband with no kids there's just a certain amount of freedom that you have to serve you have an amazing opportunity in this season of life to bless the church by volunteering in roles that other ladies just can't do to family responsibilities It might not seem very exciting or meaningful to volunteer in childcare during the mom's ministry, but I assure you that it is a huge blessing to the moms and to the kids that you're watching. Even something like faithfully getting to church early and making the coffee is something that is needed and a blessing to the church. Yes. And a job that would be much more difficult to do if you had a bunch of little kids Mm -hmm. that you had to bring along. And purposing to make a habit of faithfully serving now will result in you having an established habit of faithfully serving when you are married and have a family. Mm, Good words.
1: I like that. Um, So let's say you have this desire to run a marathon. It's not something you can just wake up one morning and attempt. So in the same way, if you're not, remember these words, practicing or training for marriage, then you're not just going to wake up one day and date someone and get married and think that all of those qualities that you need for marriage just suddenly occur. So, you know, if you're training in selfishness, then you will reap selfishness. Mm-hmm. If you're practicing selflessness in knowing people and gaining skills, then you will reap all of those fruits. Um, and even if you don't get married, then you're producing beautiful fruit for the Lord and for the church and that good fruit is the kind of fruit that men who desire to follow the Lord will find attractive so it's kind of a double-edged sword there Mm -hmm. (laughs) it works in your favor Um, but in the same way you do also want your future spouse practicing and training in his husbandry um, taking care of the needs of the church and those around him so the key is that both of you are building on the foundation of Christ, whether you marry or not. Um, 1 Corinthians three, eleven through 13 says, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. So entering a relationship into one selfishly will reveal itself that will all be burned away. But and oftentimes with a lot of regret, Hmm. Um, but if you are building Christ's Church and you're building on the foundation of Christ, those things will continue to be revealed in a godly way. Hmm. Good. Fallacy number six, I was not a Christian
0: in high school and I have gone way too far to actually get married to a good Christian guy. Because what I think is good Christian guys just want virgins only. Or another way to look at this is I as a girl cannot date the guy because he just became a believer and he definitely lived a wild sinful life before becoming a Christian. I didn't save myself sexually to just throw it all away.
3: Looking to scripture... Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Again, in 1 John 1.9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The truth is, is that we all have sinned. We are all in need of forgiveness. And our gracious Savior has promised in His word to forgive those who repent. Um, to address part one of this fallacy, if you have gone too far in a past relationship, I hope you take comfort in knowing if you have truly repented, you are forgiven. Christ can make you new. I think amen. That, <laughs> I think that if you are fresh out of, a, of that past relationship, it's important to take time to examine your heart and pursue a deeper relationship with Christ before jumping back into the dating pool. But as you do look to enter into a relationship, this person is called to forgive you as well. Um, Keep in mind that this past sin will affect your future spouse, and it will definitely take time for them to process these things. To address part two of this fallacy, I think there is some pride in this thinking. When looking to date a person who maybe had a wild, sinful life previously, we should be focused on if they are repentant, if they have changed, if they are growing in Christ. Simply holding the title of a virgin does not make you holier than someone who is repentant but has sinned in this way in the past. Um, when we look for a spouse, we should not be looking for a virgin over a person who loves and is growing in the Lord. In Ephesians 4.32, we are called to be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Again, like I said in part one. This is not to say that this past sin will not cause obstacles in your relationship or that time won't be needed to process this. And honestly, it likely could be the end of some relationships as some would have difficulty getting past it. But ultimately, we need to remember that just as Christ forgives us, we need to forgive each other. We should look at where this person is going over where they were in their past, like Rebecca said earlier.
0: Yeah, that's a theme we continue with
1: i agree going along with those truths um it really doesn't matter what sin both of you are coming into a relationship with sin so men's sins and women's sins often demonstrate themselves differently both are sinful in need of forgiveness so especially for women i think it's a good warning if you're one to be scandalized or offended by other sins then you do need to examine your own heart and how you view um, your own view of sin so if you are angry at sexual sin and that has been repented of but yet you're not willing to see that your manipulation um, is equally as sinful um, and in need of forgiveness then you or your boyfriend or fiance may need to take some time and likely need to talk to an older couple um, to help you establish truth in your thinking and the ability to work through these thoughts because that's not something you want to bring into marriage unworked out.
0: Yeah, there was kind of a theme with both of what you said, Hannah, and Allie, what you said is the I, the key is repentance. Right. If we see repentance, and this is true with our friendships, this is true in relationships, marriage, even that carries into marriage a long time. You know, like our husbands will will hurt us. It's going to happen down the road. And so we have to see the repentance is the key. And I love that you guys both brought that out. And the fact that we as women are sinful too. Let's remember that. (laughs) (laughs) And we may, and there's women out there who have been sexually impure. And it may not even be physically. It might be, we've got things, issues with pornography running through. But it's the key is the repentance and the turning from that sin that you guys all both talked about. That's Mm, good. That's good. Okay. Here's another one. Fallacy number seven. We're getting through our countdown, right? Um, I am super happy being single. I love being able to go and do, go where I want, do what I want, be who I want. I don't need to want to get married like all the other girls around me. I don't even know that I need a husband. Or conversely, the other side of this might be a girl who says, I am not ready to be dating as someone. I need to get all my ducks in a row, like finish school, get a good job, get a little apartment buy a refrigerator like everything lined up in my happy little planner and then i will be ready what do you think
1: um i have eight daughters and so a frequent phrase in our house is i don't need no man (laughs) (laughs) you better be
0: careful with that Allie. that might come back to bite you
1: (laughs) it means when we see that kind of tendency Uh, in our daughters we say that to them yes got it so that they are well aware of (laughs) Yeah. Just how unattractive that is. Yeah. With a little sarcasm. A, it's yeah. said with a little sarcasm. I don't need no man. So my question to you is, you like to be in control. Um, it really, it's a good thing to know yourself and your desires. And that's why we pull that out of our daughters when you see that little edge. Um, and it's not altogether bad. I am poking some fun. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, If you're not dating because you know that's not where you are right now, um, this is good. You know, we've talked about this. Know yourself. Um, It is also good to ask yourself if you're just unwilling to give up control. Um, Do you have areas in your life where you respect and submit to authority? This might be a good place to start um, doing a litmus test. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Is it that you don't? like authority or you don't really want somebody helping you Um, and ultimately God desires our submission to him so Hmm. we should be again practicing this submission and giving up control and pride whether we're seeking marriage or not Hmm. so James 4 5 through 7 says or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose he jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us but he gives us greater grace Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. So as young women, we have to ask ourselves, is it just that I don't want to submit to God? Is it just that I don't want to submit to authority? Is it that I don't want to give up control?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree with Allie. I would also add that, you know, contentment and being single is not bad. It's actually Mm. obedience to God to be content with being single. Mm. Being content is a wonderful thing. But if you see yourself in this person who's making this fallacy, the young lady that has to have everything, you know, just so, you have to realize that this is not contentment. It's Mm. just you getting your own way all the time. That's not contentment. And when that happy little life is broken by something unpleasant that you weren't expecting... You're not actually going to maintain that false contentment. You're just going to crumble. So I guess I would say, do some heart searching and realize that you may be dealing with selfishness, a need for control, like what Ali was saying, and possibly some fem- feminism. Ali, can you say that phrase again? Oh, I don't need no man. <laughs> yeah, so you might you might have that kind of attitude <laughs> yes. in the full. Um, and also, you may have a have an aversion to difficulty and hardship sometimes the ladies who say that they are happy in their current phase of life and their singleness actually do desire to be married but they are afraid of and unwilling to go through the hardship of dating and marriage because it really is hard it's a risk it's difficult and it seems much easier to stay single
0: okay I know I'm not being interviewed but I'm gonna add this comment I think men in general want to help women that's kind of what their job is: is to oversee women and love them, and husbandry. husbandry, husbandry. And I think when we have that attitude of "I don't need no man," they don't want to come hang out no, with us. Not attractive <laughs> at, at all. That. It's yeah. not attractive. No, it's not attractive. And I think that that's a really good point. I think we're all going to go now. We're going to all say, "I, don't need, no I don't need no man," just because you know. We can but about
2: little stickers. With that yes, phrase. we need
0: that. Yeah, shaken podcast.
2: <laughs> I don't need no man.
0: I don't know. That might send the wrong <laughs> message if we have stickers and shirts. So maybe we better re- rethink that. <laughs> All right, so I got another fallacy. Number eight, we're getting there. So there's this guy that I have liked for a long time. And, you know, just like the end of a good chick flick, I am sure that he is going to come around and one day just see me sitting at church reading my Bible and think, wow, how have I never seen this beauty before? So I'm just going to sit over here and wait until that day comes. I have even prayed about it. And I trust that God will bring me the desires of my heart in this particular man.
3: <laughs> well, first, the Bible does talk about God caring about the desires of our heart. That's true. But that verse is taken a little bit out of context in this fallacy, it seems. The verse says, um, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That is Psalm 37 4. This verse does not mean that we will get everything we want in fact god says the life of a christian will have hard trials if we are truly and fully delighting ourselves in the lord our desires will be for his glory not for our own personal earthly gain hmm. yeah. to get ourselves a man <laughs> to answer this fallacy we should trust that god knows us better than we know ourselves he knows who we will marry when and why Um, I would caution those believing this fallacy to be careful. Oftentimes, when you've liked a guy for a very long time, you tend to hold him up on a pedestal. We get in our heads thinking that we know him really super well while just imagining this possible relationship without actually knowing him at all. Mm. And if you do this, you could miss out on a great man just merely hoping that this guy that you don't actually know very well asks you out. Mm.
2: Yeah, I think, Hannah, you have a great point about the tendency to get in our heads and imagine that you know a guy better than you actually do. <laughs> it's really not helpful to just continue to wait and daydream and imagine fake scenarios because you really are just creating an imaginary version of the guy you like in your head. You might un- you might think that you understand their every inflection of their voice and look <laughs> and tilt of their head, but you honestly probably don't. You probably have no idea especially if you're in junior high and high school and if you think I'm being too harsh I am saying this from personal experience I Mm -hmm. remember being in junior high and high school and Mm -hmm. thinking this and you know having this guy that I liked for what I felt like was forever and was actually not for very long (laughs) And, and just like thinking I understood him so well and I really didn't at all um so You know, just do yourself a favor and trust God, but don't, you know, don't think about Him too much. Don't imagine, you know, possible scenarios. Don't imagine your wedding day, all of that. Hmm. Just trust God and do the next thing. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your brain space. Hmm. Use it for other
0: things. That's good. That's really helpful. Okay, one more fallacy. You guys ready? Yep. That was very hesitant. (laughs) think i've worn you out here (laughs) okay we got one more girl and then a whole bunch of questions okay here we go fallacy number nine i need a guy the key word is need remember that movie um i think it was jerry Maguire, where the main guy tells the girl you complete me like i can see the image right now you know (laughs) you complete me you know that's what i need i need someone to complete me i need someone to fix my life fix me help me complete me i need it now
2: Well, it's really easy to imagine your next phase of life with starry eyes and I think I already talked about this, but it's easy to forget that you actually will be the same person then as you are now. So if you're not growing in Christ and growing in godliness, growing in bearing fruit, then no matter your future situation, you are not going to do that then. So if you're thinking this way you know, if you're thinking that when I get married, then I will be this complete and whole person. Um, you need to stop thinking about guys and you need to focus on growing in Christ. Mm. Now, of course, in a godly marriage, your husband will help you grow in Christ. Mm. But if you're not doing that already, it is not going to magically happen when you get married. Who you are now is who you're going to be when you get married. Your problems will not go away just because you get married. So I would encourage you to work on them now through the Holy Spirit
0: now. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, marriage doesn't, when you get married, like your wedding day, doesn't mean that all your sin in the past is gone. That's not what gives us, you know, repentance. It's Christ, right? Yeah, but
2: I think it's really easy to imagine like, oh, when I have my own house, then I will not have to deal with my problems with, you know, living with people. Well, you actually... Yeah. Well, and it'll be harder <laughs> yeah. because you are yeah. so close with your husband. You can't right. just ignore those problems. Yes,
0: absolutely.
2: Yes.
3: Yeah. Rel- you know, relationships are joyful and they are a blessing. But like we said, it's not going to solve all, all your problems or complete you. Husbands are great encouragers and challengers. The man you are looking for should challenge you to fight your sin, pray yep. with you, encourage you, and have fun with you. But your husband is not your savior. Really? <laughs> yes. He's not. It makes me think of those little baby toys. I'm a new mom, so the only analogies that I can think of are baby-related things. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the toys that, um, so you have different shaped blocks, and then you have a little box with holes that match each each shape. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. So I think in believing this fallacy, we're trying to shove a triangle block into a circle-shaped hole. We're looking to fill a hole in our hearts with a man when really that hole can only be eternally filled by Christ. Mm. We might be able to lay the triangle on top of the circle hole and feel a false temporary fill when we're filled with butterflies and the emotion of love and the beginning of the relationship. That will fade away and we will be left with the same hole that can only be filled by our Father and we will probably be left with a few issues in your relationship. Just like you and me, men are also sinners. While our relationships are to be the picture of Christ in his church, it's just that. It's a picture. It's not the real thing. You don't have to have it all together and figured out in order to enter into a, a relationship, but make sure you aren't expecting these fixes to come from a man. Be seeking to fix those issues now with Christ and continue to do that even in your relationship.
0: Yeah, wow. Those are really, really good. I'm sure that there's there's probably... 20 more fallacies in dating we just picked nine that kind of fit and it's interesting that i think we all have at times in our dating and even in our marriages have believed some of these things because i think they carry into marriages so those are really good um and they're played out in you know books and movies and music and really all over and um in the lives of our friends and our family um one thing that I wanted to mention is a fallacy that actually is really foundation to all the fallacies we've discussed. And it's just a simple concept that is often believed but likely never spoken. And I think that's something we talked about. These fallacies are not usually spoken. Although we didn't actually use this one as one of our fallacies, it is a foundation to many of the others. So here it is, here it is. You ready, ladies? Yeah. Marriage makes me holy. So that so to be holy, I must be married. Well, that is similar to the logic at the beginning of the episode where we talked about, you know, if if you do A, and then if you drink the water bottle, then I must be sick because of the water bottle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing. It's true that marriage is a sanctifying process. Have you guys been sanctified in, in your marriage at any point? Oh, for sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have great sanctification in my marriage. <laughs> praise the Lord for that. Because I am way different than I was. You should have seen me 26 years ago. But it is not the only way. And... Um, you know, I also have been sanctified this past month by a good friend's cautionary words to me, a Bible study question where I had to think about it and write a real answer down, someone else's prayer where they prayed out loud in a, in a small group, a sermon that I listened to, a quiet drive when I was praying and conviction by the Holy Spirit, a book written by a Christian author, and the words of my husband. God uses many different avenues to sanctify us or change us or make us more holy. Marriage is one way but not the only way. Many, many hard-hearted people are married. Marriage is good, but as a single person, God can make you more holy day by day as you strive to serve, obey, and love him. And actually, I think sometimes we get the cart before the horse, so to speak. We elevate marriage over Christ at times. Mm -hmm. And, And if I'm honest, that's actually just idolatry. The great theologian John Calvin said that our hearts are idle factories, and he is not wrong, I have to say. Truthfully, we can easily elevate marriage above Christ, and if you are a single girl out there, listen, hear me out. We make the goal sometimes of our life to get married rather than to serve God and honor him and obey him, and we have to watch this sneaky fallacy or lie. Honestly, this is idolatry, and this idolatry concept is so sneaky that it actually gets played out in our lives over and over. And we probably should do an entire episode on that too, because even as married women, all four of us in here, we probably find ourselves elevating something above Christ at times. Mm. Am I right?
1: Pretty, pretty yeah. Sure. yeah. Yes.
0: But um, you know, we could elevate anything we love, such as oh like homeschool plans, right? The particular curriculum we picked, our Bible study answers. Our beautiful family that we post on Instagram, the number of children we have, um, or the number of children the number of children we have, and what accomplishments com- accomplishments they have, our jobs, our retirement with that big slush fund for trips and vacation. We really can make anything our goal over Christ, and that is idolatry. And we need to watch out. So I'm encouraging you, as young women who are listening, or anyone listening to be careful of this. This fallacy runs deep, and we need to think about it and confess this idolatry. I do think this should be an entire other episode, but anyway. Okay, so we have just a few further questions that were actually asked specifically. And I think they should be addressed as well. So they're not fallacies necessarily, but I bet we'll find these fallacies in some of these answers, right? So here we go. If you are a girl who wants to be in a relationship but never seems to be noticed by guys, what can you do? So this was definitely me
2: in high school and junior high. I, you know, wanted to be liked by guys and I just never felt like anyone noticed me. So, And I still remember how painful that was. It really is a very, very hard place to be in and it makes you feel very lonely and isolated. So if you are there, I am married. I've been married for five years and so I still remember how hard that is. It is legitimately hard. Um, I can really empathize with any girl in that position. The first thing that a girl who feels unnoticed needs to do has nothing to do with guys. And that is to make sure that her worth lies in Christ and not in her circumstances. Mm. Our worth does not lie in whether we are married or single. Our worth is found in the fact that Jesus bought us with his blood and that we belong to him it's really easy to look around at other girls who are getting asked out and getting into relationships and feel like there's something wrong with you i definitely felt this and i saw everyone else as prettier smarter wittier more talented and then i just got really discouraged and lonely but this thinking really only leads to discontentment and envy bitterness and all sorts of bad things and those character traits are not godly And they are also just not attractive to guys. Mm -hmm. But if a single girl knows that her worth is in Christ, she is free to be joyful and happy and content in God's plan for her. And those things really are attractive to guys. I mean, of course, a happy and joyful young woman is going to be more attractive than a grumpy and bitter young woman. Mm. So I think the number one thing to remember if you're in this scenario find your worth in christ not your external circumstances and i think you know hannah and allie could probably give more practical
1: advice um i just think practically stuff that goes along with that is um do you take care of yourself and i'm not saying that you have to wear expensive clothes and be super skinny i'm saying does your appearance reflect that you respect and take care of yourself and this kind of care goes a long way. If you don't care about yourself, then are you going to give and care for others? And that's reflected on the outside. Um, you know, it is fun to create a style that's yours and be comfortable in it. Don't feel like you have to copy everyone else to be in the know or to be noticed. Um, be Figure out who you are, even on the externals, not just spiritually. Um, and then talk to people. Like literally talk to them, have conversations, (laughs) like write down questions and get to know people, um, not for the purpose of being seen, but for the purpose of building friendships and relationships in your Christian community that are profitable with girls and boys of the opposite sex, you know, a friend shows themselves friendly. So if you want people to be friendly and notice you, you have to be friendly first, um, And then plan smaller group events where you can have fun with your peers and then continue to build those friendships and get to know people. Plan a day at the zoo or a trip to the art museum and be comfortable and enjoying and getting to know different people, hanging out in groups of men and women that can be comfortable and fun. And then lastly, so important is to smile. If you focus on one thing, just be known as a woman who smiles.
3: Hmm. That's good. Um, we've talked about instead of just chasing godly men, that we need to also be making sure we're growing in Christ and working to be a godly future wife. This reminds me of Proverbs 31. It says that the woman doesn't eat the bread of idleness. Now, this is talking about how we are called to be diligent and industrious. And honestly, can you tell that I listened to past podcasts? Yes. Industrious. That's a good word. Thank you for using it. You're welcome. And honestly, I think that if you're looking to be in a relationship, it's important not to eat the bread of idleness. Now, I'm not saying that you should be running around asking guys out constantly or staying busy serving to, to attract the attention of a man. But if you are skipping events to watch Hallmark movies or any movies, TV, whatever, in your room alone, or if you're going to events but maybe leaving the second they're over, or if you're satisfied talking to the same three people instead of purposing to meet and get to know other people, including men, this is how we can eat the bread of idleness in this stage, in the dating stage, and doing these things definitely will not attract a man. Hmm.
0: Good words, you guys. Good Okay, uh, this is an uh, interesting question, the next one. So I, I hope you guys are ready for a good answer. Here we go. Is online dating okay? Um, so,
1: sure. Okay. <laughs> okay, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> I think, like... Man, what was the internet like when I was dating? Yeah. Like, can you instant message somebody? Um, AOL and you're on like dial up. Oh all? yeah. So that that didn't work back <laughs> no. then. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, sure. Um, but along with that, just like all dating, it comes with discernment, and I would say more discernment. So, you know, clearly if you've been around somebody in church, you've at least been able to observe them, and other people have known them. So, I would have someone who you are close with help you discern what that might look like. Um, Seek advice from someone who has done it before, and maybe can share some wisdom. I mean, just like any other thing that you practice, you, you gain knowledge. So, you know, even if you use a Christian website, I would write down what your non-negotiables are, so you will be tempted, likely, to negotiate them. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) let somebody know and write down what is absolutely just non-negotiable. And then use our church body or your church body around you to help support you in this. You know, online dating, I don't think, is something that you just say, hey, I'm going to go it alone. And then it just leads to defensiveness if people you love ask questions. Um, they're your gatekeepers and they love you and so you know it is important to get your mind really really straight before you enter into that because they do think yes go for it do it but it, there's more there's more to it there's much more to it
2: so there are godly marriages here at our church that came out from online dating so i definitely think it could be a really great option However, you need to make sure that you're not being overly picky and being proud and dismissing really great opportunities in your own church or hometown because you're sure that, you know, you'll find the perfect husband online. Mm. You really need to make sure that you're not doing that, that you are taking in opportunities when they come, that you're Mm. not being overly... You know having too high of expectations we've talked about that before yeah we
0: have and it really is a matter of the heart yeah right it's like evaluating your heart to think am i being too picky or am i is it because i really don't like this person or these things in their life or is it because i like myself more yeah that's a really good point okay how about can i date a person from another church
3: absolutely if you find someone at another bible believing church who loves and isn't growing in christ then that's great there likely could be some small belief differences that may need addressed. Maybe like infant versus adult baptism. There could be other little things like yeah, that. Yeah, and certainly
0: um, churches do things different. Yeah. But I love how you said a Bible-believing church, yeah. and you, you already said the same theme that I keep hearing, that we have to see the person growing in Christ right. now. Yep. Yeah. Good point, good point. Okay, what about – okay, here's another one. Big, hot topic. What about physical or emotional boundaries? Like, where can I find the checklist so I can follow these in my dating experience?
3: Well, there is not a list for these types of things. They're personalized. I do have a few thoughts on this, though. Very excited to answer this in front of my mother-in-law. I'm just (laughs) kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm going to close my ears. Okay. All right. Um, so one boundaries should be a discussion between you and the person you're dating early in the relationship now I'm not saying that on your first date you need to sit down and have a serious discussion about your boundaries that might be a little weird but when you have decided to pursue a relationship together it definitely should be a conversation you just you need to make sure that you're on the same page about these things Um, these boundaries though they should be specific and along with that you need to have specific ways that you're going to avoid them i would even encourage others to write them down my second point is that you are not as strong as you think you are i remember thinking that i was so strong and capable of holding to boundaries but like i said in the earlier question as emotional attraction grows so does physical attraction and that can just open up the door to crossing boundaries Genesis 4:7 says that sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. If you don't have a plan to rule over sin by these discussed and specific boundaries in this instance, it can easily, easily devour you. 1 Corinthians 6-18 says to flee from sexual immorality. It says flee. Run from it. Don't walk away and take a peek behind you. Run from it. Physical intimacy is a slippery slope. A side hug quickly turns into a front hug. Kiss on the cheek quickly turns to a kiss on the lips. Um, Staying pure when you've formed an intimate connection with a person through dating is not easy, but it is a command. Even if this is the person you're going to marry, God calls us to stay pure until marriage. So don't believe the lie that boundaries don't matter when you're engaged because you're gonna get married. You've heard it before, and I'm going to tell you it again, but you really do have your entire life to figure out the physical part of your relationship. Satan will tempt you to believe all sorts of lies in this area, but remember that God calls us to stay pure until marriage and has graciously warned us that sin is crouching at the door. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Good words.
0: I um, was listening, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Allie, what do you, what do you think? Um,
1: I... I agree, and this is part of why Jordan and I say engagement was the worst part of our relationship, Um, because you literally are moving closer and closer to becoming one, and this doesn't just instantaneously happen the moment you say, I do, but um, I would also guard to the other extreme, because marriage is a picture of Christ in the church, which grows in intimacy, dare I say passion so Hmm. you know these are not just switches that we turn on and off and we can it's important we don't create a false idea that purity should be carried into our marriage so again Song of Solomon gives us a very intimate picture of growing love and passion and affection and with caution mentioned above we do need to make sure we're also reflecting this accurately hmm Okay, so <clears throat>
0: there are some boundaries, though, in the Bible that are clear about dating. And one of them is there should be no sexual intercourse before marriage. Right. I mm-hmm. wanted to make that clear. Also, you should marry someone who is a believer. The Bible is also equally. Those are two things that you should check off your list, mm-hmm. right? But I do want to make a comment that sometimes when we make decisions about our boundaries, we are tempted to think that our boundaries and our relationship with our fiance need to be everybody else's boundaries. And so we can easily fall into that. And you, you talked a little bit about that, Allie, when you talked about being young and having, and maybe the idea of legalism. Right. We can easily yeah. fall into that. Like, for example, um, I have no problem with people who wait until they get married to kiss. That's totally acceptable. That is a choice people make. Um, but I think when we are young, and I'm just going to throw this out there, and we think that that's what we and our boyfriend are going to do, We think everybody around us needs to do it that way, and we begin to speak that out loud as if that is a Bible verse, and it's actually not, just on a side note. So I want to just throw that out. We've been studying, I, I think all three of you are in the same study that we're doing this year, and we're learning about the parables, and in there, there's always these guys, the Pharisees, and they come along, and what do they do? They add to God's word. And so we just, I'm just throwing that out, that we need to be careful that we are not adding to God's word. If you and your boyfriend, husband, or not husband, if you and your boyfriend and your, or your fiance have certain boundaries, I am respecting that. Keep them and do them and honor God in it. But it doesn't mean that the girl next to you does it exactly the same way. That's a good point. And, and sometimes some couples can handle handholding and some couples can't because it like you said, sin is crouching at the door. So mm. that's just my little side note, my commercial break for, okay. Okay. Here's another really hard question that I think is difficult to answer, but I'm, I'm looking forward to your answers. How long should you date? Like, where is the chart on Pinterest? Can you share it with me so I can follow it?
1: Well, if there is a chart or a rule book, flee from it because that's <laughs> what we've been talking about. But, you know, joking aside, your relationship will be unique for you. So I think it's helpful to have a trusted couple that knows you, um, just to be a good sounding board and to offer wisdom. And I mean, I know one thing that dictated how long we dated was the fact that my dad wanted me to finish school. But I had one semester left and we ended up getting married and then I finished that semester. So it doesn't mean there's always this hard fast rule. Sometimes there's goals. Now, if it's like two years down the road, I do think that that's something that you can say like, okay, respectfully, how do we go about this? Yeah, individual decisions. Correct. Yeah,
2: yeah, and kind of tying back to the question about boundaries. Another good thing to think about when you're thinking about how long to date is that the quickness of how close you get as a couple, whether emotionally or physically, should be propor- proportional with mm. you know when you might get married. So if you start dating someone when you're seventeen if you can't logistically get married for two years you need to not be holding hands and telling each other that you love each other after Mm -hmm. only you know two weeks or two months of dating if you're that close after two months it's going to be incredibly hard to stay pure when you have almost two or more years of dating before you could get married
0: yeah i i think it's really helpful to kind of think through what you guys have just said reminds me that <clears throat> with really all of these answers there isn't really a clear-cut answer no right. and that's something that is really why we're doing this podcast episode today because there really isn't straight up clear-cut answers but but it is good to think about it and I love this theme also coming through of having a trusted couple that you can talk to yeah what a good idea to have a couple maybe it's someone who's farther along than you obviously that would be the best who can who can speak into your life okay Another really good question, looking for a straight-up answer on this one, is flirting okay, or is it actually just sinful?
1: Oh, I don't know that I gave a straight-up answer. (laughs) Well, first, what is your motive? And so I did say, I wouldn't say it is 100% sinful. However, you do have to remember that verse in Song of Solomon, the woman has a great amount of power to awaken love. So what is your motivation in awakening that love? Do you really want to look back on your relationship and see that it started with an excessive amount of you flirting and that's how you got your man? That's, that's not how you're mm-hmm. going to want to look back on that. Um, ask yourself, are you considered flirtatious with multiple people? Mm-hmm. So it's not just that, you know, your boyfriend is <laughs> now. Like that being said, you know, once things are somewhat clear and there is interest or interest expressed, and you know where you're going with it I am a supporter of the girl showing interest, like I did say before and flirting you know because you don't want to leave that guy hanging but that's very specific like yeah. you don't want to be a flirt right. yeah. if you're known as a flirt then you know you're known as I think you're known as the woman in Proverbs and yeah. that yeah. is that is not where you want to be <laughs>
2: Yeah. Not the Proverbs 31 woman. The bad Proverbs woman. The bad woman. Yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes, I agree. Um, I think that an easy temptation for all of us, but especially younger women who are looking to get into a relationship, is being an attention sinker. Mm. I speak from experience. <laughs> if you are flirting with a lot of different guys to merely get their attention or even just to see if you can... Remember that these men you're dragging along just to leave hanging have feelings too. Don't let your pride in attention seeking consume you to the point that you are just stringing others along with no intention. Mm. That being said, are you going to attract a man skipping events, not talking, leaving early like I mentioned before? No. So there is most definitely room for showing interest by flirting, but be intentional and not flippant to flirt be above reproach in it and don't cause others to stumble Mm, those are good good words and helpful because
0: this is one of those areas that i think is not black and white i think this whole episode is not black and white it's hard to say okay so what about flirting with guys though when
1: you are too
0: young to date and actually when can i start dating
1: um I think this also goes back to what's your motive. So if you are too young to date or you are told you are not allowed to date, then don't awaken those emotions. Um, They are there and they are real, whether you can do something about it or not. So it's just not wise. Then you do become more like the bad, the seductive woman in Proverbs (laughs) that young men are told to flee. And do you want to be known as that within the youth group or the college group? You know, dating works toward the purpose of marriage. And if you are in middle school or early high school, then I would say, you know, that this is the time to enjoy your friendships that God has given you in mixed groups and focus on your growth in God and your involvement in the church. Yeah, that's good. Good words. Okay, uh,
0: another really important one, is it okay to text guys or to use Snapchat? What do you think? Well, as we just said this podcast is not
2: black and white and so you know with these kinds of questions we have to be really careful because the bible doesn't give us the exact answer because snapchat and texting were not invented right in, in the bible in, right yes
0: but yeah as, if, if it was if snapchat was i'm sure the bad woman of the proverbs was using yes. it Just find <laughs> <out>. um <laughs> Yeah, so the Bible does not
2: give us an exact answer, but there are definitely some principles that we can apply to this question. And I would just ask a girl asking this question, what is the benefit? Mm. So clearly, sometimes you need to ask a guy a logistical question or something like that, or maybe, you know, ask, hey, how's your mom doing after surgery or something, you know, something like that. But if you're just chatting with a guy via text or Snapchat, you need to ask yourself what is the point Mm. it's very different than talking to them in person because it is unseen by anyone else there's no accountability Mm -hmm. um there's no one saying hey i don't think you should have said that to this person i think you're being too flirty yeah and there's so much room for miscommunication Mm -hmm. when it's not face to face you might think that he likes you when he really doesn't or you might think of him as just a brother or just a friend, but then he likes you and thinks that you like him. So I just really don't see the benefit to
1: mm. that.
3: Yeah. A good,
0: that's a good question to ask. What's the benefit?
3: Right. Yeah. Yes, communicating with guys is definitely more of a gray area. It's certainly not always wrong. Keep in mind that we are much bolder to say things through a screen than we are face to face this can quickly lead to sin or just unnecessary idle chatter or easily leading a guy on that we have no intention of pursuing a relationship with especially snapchat since those disappear after a short amount of time remember how i said earlier that the bible warns us that sin is crouching at the door so why would we give it an opportunity to roll over us by carelessly utilizing tools that encourage it
1: so, again, showing my age, when we talked to boys, <laughs> we had a telephone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We <laughs> did maybe, not have Snapchat. Maybe it had a battery and you could move it around the house. <laughs> yeah. But if a boy was going to call you or you were going to call a boy, you could get their dad on the phone. Yeah. You could get their mom. You could get their siblings and everybody knew about it. So when everyone has their individual phone or iPod or whatever, you can keep stuff quiet. And so even in the beginning with our with our teenage girls we would say like have a conversation if you were willing at the time of day or that they would answer the phone and get dad. You know, yeah. those kinds of things I think were yeah. helpful to to them to yeah. to question is this a good motive because even you know, asking your mom how she's doing with surgery. Maybe your motive is to then flirt with them, and it's right. very that's, oh yeah, that's like a very I can't nice so much. Do, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're pulling on that. Then other people are aware. Yeah. So other people are aware if you're asking yeah. really nice questions and those kinds of things, and that keeps it something that can be very private or hidden it keeps it more open yeah
0: actually when I was um very young we had something called a party line anybody has ever heard of a party line I've
1: heard of it okay we
0: had a party line I lived in the country and that meant that you had a phone number you had a number and like all my neighbors had the same number and you had you could pick the phone up and be listening to someone else's conversation (laughs) until they were done then you could use the phone and it was my neighbor so did that, you do that julie
2: did you listen to other people's conversations i did not but
0: you know you'd pick it up and you could hear them talking and you would wow. hang it up and you could hear people doing that when you were doing it so
3: yeah, yeah and if so. i'm being honest as someone who grew up with or i didn't grow up but as someone who had snapchat while i was in the dating world it was never used for good yeah it just isn't it was always flirting yeah Yeah.
0: You know, we don't want to say no Snapchat ever. Yeah. Right. But what we're saying is use it. Like you said, what's your motive? Yeah. What is your reason behind it? And I think that's important to ask those questions every time, Mm
2: -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think when you're in junior high and high school, you have no idea how much time you were just wasting. Yeah. That could (laughs) be on reading a, you know, a solid book or reading your Bible or helping your mom with something or getting together in face to face with a friend. Yeah. You're just wasting so much time. And they are honestly things that I wish that I had learned and yep. worked on yep. when I had so much time. You had so much time. One other side Don't note on this it. idea
0: of social media and Snapchat is if your parents do not allow you to use it, be respectful and honor them in it. Yeah, okay. Don't be sneaky because sneakiness always comes out. I can tell you that how many times I've prayed that some sneaky thing one of my kids was doing would come out. And it comes out. Oh, Mm -hmm. for sure. So know that God in prayer works. And so just respect your parents in it. There's a reason. Like you, somebody, one of you guys said they're your gatekeepers. Like your parents Mm -hmm. are are Mm -hmm. watching over you because they love you. And that's a way that they do it. So, okay. Let's go to like dating a little bit because we talked a little bit about some of the other things related. But um, how important is
1: fighting in your dating experience? Um. It will lay the foundation for your marriage, other than Christ. So you must learn to fight in a productive way. Okay, can I
0: stop you for a second? Yeah. Because when I think of fight, I think of like an all-out yelling battle. Mm -hmm. Are you just
1: meaning conflict? Like different opinions? I think, yes, I would say I'm starting smaller in conflict, but if you can't work through conflict when you do get to the fight, then it's absolutely not productive. So you need to work through conflict productively if it mm. gets to the point of fighting at least there's hope that that there will be some sort of fruit from it like fruit requires death and pain yeah. and sometimes they're ripping yeah. away especially if not in dating but in marriage like you are one flesh so mm-hmm. when you are fighting you're ripping apart your own flesh um yeah so You know if you're not working through these things within dating and engagement for sure then you know you can't it it's not helpful in your future marriage so conflict will be there are you learning to deal with it in a godly Mm, way that's a good that's a really good point I yeah. think
3: also it should be said that 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 does not mean that you should be fighting all of the time, right? In your dating experience, like yeah, if that's you, a big red flag. <laughs> yeah, red flag, yeah, it's like you should not be yeah. constantly fighting. Mm. That's not a good thing. No,
0: it is just a piece. It's just like all the other little pieces yeah. we've talked about in mm-hmm. in the big picture of dating. Okay, so I know that um, a girl wrote. I know that prayer is super important because God calls us to pray. Is it okay for my boyfriend and I to pray together?
1: I'd say again, you know, prayer is one of those things that you absolutely want to be doing in your marriage. Um, So it's also important to realize that it is one of those things that is very intimate. So, you know, it is something that does need to be guarded and built upon as your relationship grows in seriousness. So, practically i would say you know pray as you would with a sibling or another christian peer of the same sex you know pray for meals or for travels and things like that not just saying hey that those things are insignificant or light but it's something you need to grow in so that you're not just jumping straight into emotional spiritual vulnerability just because prayer is good Mm -hmm. so if you can ask how to pray for the person, but that doesn't necessarily need to be praying with the person Mm -hmm. or, you know, before you entertain the idea of like a long and intimate prayer of the heart, um, then I would be really cautious just to pray for the other person before you're getting into this like one on one.
0: Yeah, this is, um, I personally think prayer is a really intimate thing in marriage when you're Mm. praying, just like if you're praying in a Bible study, you really get to know women. But then when you're praying one-on-one with your husband, it's pretty powerful. Mm. And I think this is the same thing that we talked about in regard to boundaries. Like, I think the closer you're getting to marriage, maybe those things can come in. But when you are dating and you've got two years till you can get married, this little intimate piece probably should not be used. But I like how you're saying ask how you can pray for them. Certainly pray for your boyfriend, right? Like don't right. say, well,
1: I'm not, to can't do that. that right. Maybe every prayer request is to have a great day. Then you're like, wait a second, right. that's really not a good idea. Right? You do want to know yeah. spiritually where that person is at and how they communicate with the Lord. But one-on-one intimacy is probably one of those things you need to think, oh, is that a boundary? Which is yeah. just helpful like sometimes we just don't even think yeah that's That's right
0: okay is it okay for a guy or girl to just
1: hang out one-on-one okay i seem to like have all these (laughs) questions but let me start with this um i i don't believe all dating can happen in groups especially if you're college age um that said obviously again boundaries you need to be wise because much of dating can happen in public places. So there are so many other factors involved. So if it's not a dating situation and you're just good friends hanging out, I'd say that is unwise because never a guy and a girl just really good platonic friends hanging out because at some point one of them will have feelings and that becomes messy. But I'd say especially if you're, you're older, like I, it's kind of silly to think you could never you know, get to know a person, but I would also advise public places and things like that mm-hmm. where other people around, not where other people have to be with you, but just right. around is helpful right. as things start.
2: Yeah. And again, I would go back to that question. What is the benefit? Mm-hmm. Is it actually going to be good for you to be hanging out with a guy one-on-one? Um, Or is it just going to, again, lead to miscommunication about each other's feelings and that type of thing? But I guess you also don't want to do the complete opposite and say, I can never talk to someone of the opposite Mm, sex. I can never, ever spend time with them, you know, alone in some random situation. You know, you have to find that middle ground. Again, not being legalistic. It Mm -hmm. is okay to be friends with, you know, people of the opposite sex. It's totally fine. Sure. But just
0: you know be aware that you need some discernment like what ellie was talking about i had a i had a friend once who um all of a sudden realized that she had been spending time with this guy and they were friends and he was in our friend group and she would spend time alone with him a lot like they they enjoyed things together and she developed a strong love for him Hmm. and he had no idea and then she realized what she'd been doing For like I'm not I'm not teasing you like two years straight, when he was like you know I want to I want to tell you something I want to talk to you about something and she was thinking this is it, and then he talked to her about another girl in our group that he was really liked and and had asked her out and what do you think do you think this and it was just so heartbreaking Mm -hmm. for her, she had let her emotions go Mm -hmm. and she had missed all the other guys in the group, Mm -hmm. because she was so focused on this one guy in this relationship and it was like overdone too much too much. Yeah, it was very sad. It was very hard. I, uh, anyway. Okay, that's another another episode about Saturdays. <laughs> wow. Sad. We got the whole year Sorry. planned. Yes. Okay. At what point, though, should I stop going out on dates and just accept that I am single and this is
1: how God called me to be? Again, it's so hard to work in those extremes. So I would caution to have a rule that says, I will no longer date and I'm putting my foot down. But, you know this might be reading into it too much, but going on dates insinuates that you have been asked, so it it doesn't mean it's just dead in the water, but it may mean that you need to change your own perspective and just truly focus on other things like we talked about earlier. You know, grow your true joy in being with brothers and sisters in Christ. Involve yourself in various ways that, whether married or not, that you're seeking after Christ and enjoying His church so god's no or not yet are just as good as his yes he knows you and he knows exactly what what and who you need in your life so don't miss the opportunity to enjoy all the relationships given to you when i was in college i found myself really longing for relationships of all ages within the church body Not just a college group. So, this was the main driving factor in how I became connected with Christ the Word. And if you see yourself in a time of singleness, adopt a family and have them adopt you. You know, (laughs) make them adopt you. (laughs) Um, And then adopt a grandma and adopt an auntie and some nieces and nephews. You know, the family of God is just an incredible gift. And maybe God's gift to you is not a husband right now, but experiencing the depth of his love through a church body of all ages is just amazing so plumb those depths mm, that's good
0: um one thing that i have noticed in dating in the church is sometimes we're in a bubble and so you kind of like everybody, everybody's watching everybody. Um, sometimes guys are uncomfortable to even ask a girl out. I love that you brought out that not all dating has to be done in large groups, right? Because mm-hmm. then everybody's like, they're, you know, they're all watching everybody, you know. Oh, is she like him? Oh, he likes her. So, but one of the things that I think comes up a lot is what do you do when you date somebody and then you break up? Like, that's tricky. So how do I deal with a breakup in a godly way? And what do I do since we still go to the same church and we still are in the same group together?
2: So I can tell you from experience that breakups and particularly still going to the same church together really is hard. Like, in a lot of ways, it seems a really tempting idea to just hide in a hole, never have to see your ex-boyfriend again, But that's just not realistic if you're dating within your church. And you probably will still have to see your ex-boyfriend regularly. You may
0: end up in small group with him at some point. Yeah, you
2: (laughs) very much might be serving together on the greeting team together. You know, you're going to see them, probably. And I think a key thing to remember is that he is still your brother in Christ. All of the commands about how we are to treat fellow Christians still applies this means applying the fruits of the spirit to how you think about and engage with him this means not gossiping and slandering him to your friends Mm -hmm. it means forgiving forgiving him even if he did wrong you to end a relationship or whatever that might have looked like not becoming bitter about Hmm. that and time really is your friend if you're dealing with it in a godly way it really will grow less painful and awkward over the years um And, you know, a slightly different comment, having to still go to the same church as the guy you break up with is a very real possibility, but it's honestly another motivation to be godly when you're in a relationship, Mm. especially when it comes to physical touch. Like, do you really want to be in small group each week with a guy that you were touching inappropriately? No. Or... That's
0: that's an easy answer. (laughs) Wow. Or
2: do you want to lead a Bible study with that guy's future wife and Mm. have to think about that every time you see her obviously your main motivation to be godly in your dating relationships should be out of a love for god but being godly in relationships can save yourself a lot of awkwardness in the future so just do yourself a favor and be godly Mm. and have boundaries that's good it's really helpful
0: i also think one thing i I heard in here is the idea of not gossiping about your ex- boyfriend or whatever and i also think that's really good for the girls or that are listening today whose friend broke up like it's really easy to like have that particular guy you just you start to take on your friend's anger and hurt and you become bitter with her you know and we need to be careful with that too that we are not encouraging our friends to gossip about their exes and let's let's love them okay good okay i kind of wanted to um end with one final question that I think is a really, really good one um, and and all of you answered um, have lots of answers on this, I'm sure. So what (laughs) characteristic, let's make a list, you know, I'm all about lists, you know, (laughs) what characteristics should I be looking for in a guy?
2: and we'll be here for the next 12 hours yes
0: okay just give me some okay like one okay
2: okay so one trait that may not seem that important or something that doesn't really apply here you might not find on the top of a pinterest list but i think is super important is that the man that you're interested in is submissive to and loves godly authorities in his life one of the things that I really loved about Zach when I first started to like him is that he loved godly authorities in his life. He sought them out. He asked for counsel, and he actually implemented that counsel. And actually, because of some counsel of Allie's husband, he asked me out on my first date. So... This is
3: true. <laughs> Yay!
1: So, yes.
2: Um, because... Even though there were other areas in his life where I could see that he was lacking, like every other guy in their (laughs) mid-twenties, I knew that he was growing and that he was held accountable by men that I trusted. I knew that if I married him, I would be protected because those godly men would challenge him if they saw problems and that Zach would actually change because of that counsel. Mm -hmm. And if you marry someone who is not submissive to godly authority, he's not going to listen to godly counsel. And you're kind of stuck having to follow and obey someone who's going to do whatever they want to do. You will not have that protection of knowing that you could go to a pastor or an elder or a godly friend with any concerns and that your husband will actually listen to them.
3: Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, first and foremost, we, we've we said it throughout the podcast, but we should be looking for someone who loves And is growing in the Lord. I think this is the characteristic that we cannot compromise on, and this is what we need to be looking for in a man. Like we talked about earlier, that does not mean that he will have it all together or that he'll be a rock star Christian, but he should be repentant and growing in Christ. I'll never forget someone in our church told me. Don't settle. This is so true. We should not settle. But also, don't have impossibly high, ridiculous, shallow standards. Like, he must be taller than me. Or he has to have brown hair. If you find a man who delights in the things of the Lord, you will not be settling. Again, that's not to say that some won't fit better than others. Apart from that, I think each girl prioritizes um, different characteristics differently, but all of these should flow from a place of godliness. One thing that was important to me was to marry someone who is gracious. I have known Jacob since we were five, but the way that we became interested in each other was actually through our college group. I remember one of the things that initially attracted me to Jacob was how gracious he was to others, but specifically his siblings and his graciousness has been a great gift to me in our marriage
1: i agree with all of those so just to continue them um i would look for someone you can laugh with Hmm. joy and laughter is something that you will want to characterize your home so do you make each other laugh can he laugh at himself that shows humility can he poke fun at you and you not be offended that shows your humility so laughter with humility are greatly important As two simple people come together, and when someone can poke fun at you, not mock you or just be sarcastic, but knows you well enough to expose the truth in a humorous way, it also means that he knows you. So, it's important to see if a guy you're interested in knows and cares for people. You will want your husband to be able to know and understand you and help you grow. That is, by definition, husbandry. but you will want him to be able to read people in order to minister to them and to help them as well. You will want him to be able to know your children and how to encourage and challenge them. This is a great skill that can be grown and cultivated, but is knowing people even on his radar? Um, Is this something he's already doing with others or is he mostly self-focused? Does he know himself? Is he aware of his sin? These are fruitful qualities in a husband. And one more thing, as I have been thinking about these questions, is when you are looking for qualities in a husband, something to consider is how he is different from you. And we've talked about this a little bit, but I mean that he is male and you are female. So there is a great benefit in design that God made men male he made them rugged and edgy and forthright and not all that is sinful and that women are female are soft and tender and receive and you don't want a man that has the characteristics of a woman (laughs) you want a man that is made in god's image that bears the distinct qualities of being male and that never means domineering and demeaning to be clear but it is one of those things that you will know it when you see it, and you will know that it is good. Well, wow, thank you, ladies, so much for all of your comments. I kind of wanted to
0: end with a final thought. <clears throat> I think it'd be great to end this way years ago um, David Letterman he was like a nighttime TV show um, like talk show host Um, sometimes I would stay up and watch him with my husband and he would do this top 10 every week they were super fun usually they were he was a comedian so they were funny so they were like your top 10 least favorite Christmas carols or Christmas carols that don't have to do with Christmas that was another one or top 10 items your grandma brings to a potluck that she thinks everybody loves but nobody actually likes like we all have those Um, now let's finish with this here is my top 10 list for what to do when you are maybe not dating maybe you want to be dating and and I would say that this is actually good for anyone it's really anybody who's in like a oh a holding pattern like you're just like you're in the sky you know like the airplanes are when they can't land yet they're holding there's there's good things you can do they're really profitable things and I think they could you know you could do at different times in your life to fill up some time and they're actually beneficial so here we go you guys can let me know if you have any other comments on these okay and, I, and I'm doing them in countdown order, meaning that number 10 is the least important and number one is the most important. So here we go. Number 10, develop a hobby. Learn to ski, start watercolor painting, learn to crochet or knit, right? Start running. I don't know why anybody would start running, but if that's what you want to do, <laughs> run. Okay, sorry to all the marathoners out there. But like do something, right? Learn a hobby. Did you Did you learn a hobby, Rebecca, when you were single? Yes, I um
2: I'm assuming you mean music yeah I was thinking that, but yeah but it's important to learn things when you're single because when you get married and have kids you don't have as much time so if I was trying to learn music now I just wouldn't like I wouldn't know how to play you know three blind mice yes because I it's hard (laughs) that's what I can (laughs) it's hard to get into a concentrated time yes when you are learning things it's not to say it's impossible but just if you start earlier it's easier to
0: add on all right okay number nine Work hard at what you are doing, whether it's school or a job. Do it well. Study well. Do your job well. Be an example to others to work hard. Did you work hard, Hannah?
3: No. You just Yes, know. I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> what did you do before you dated Jacob?
3: I was in school and I also worked full time. I had a 40-minute 40, 40 commute to school, so I was staying very busy. Yeah. But that is, like Rebecca was saying earlier, when you're single you have the opportunity to work Ought to be diligent and industrious mm-hmm. that you just don't have. Different kind of right. industriousness. Yes. When you're a mom. Yes. Or
0: yeah. when you're married. Right. Okay, number eight, read or listen to good books, podcasts, or sermon about other things than singleness or dating. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm glad you listened to this podcast today, so that's good. But learn about theology. Learn about how to grow mushrooms. Read a classic novel. Um, a biography of a great missionary. Right? Study a period of history. Listen to some jazz music. You know, it's just good to learn and use your brain in good ways. Uh, Number seven, learn to cook, organize, and clean well. I, I really believe these are so important skills for you, whether you are married, or you are single, or you are a mom of 10 kids, or you're a mom of one. I really think these are really important. This is just normal life. Um, if you are not at home, like you don't live at home anymore, you are out in your own, you have your own house, you have your own apartment, make dinner every week, you know, a couple times a week. Practice those skills. You know, even though you could easily get by with eating a yogurt, take time to learn how to make some of those things. If you are still at home, help your mom do that stuff. Like, commit, I'm going to make dinner once a week. I mean, mm-hmm. If, if, you had, if I, as a mom, have five kids and they each made dinner once a week, I'd never have to do it, you know? But seriously, learn, learn those skills while you're at home. Practice keeping your space clean. That sounds really dumb, but it's the same thing that you said, Rebecca, earlier, that how you are now is how you will be. And so practice those things now, you know? I think habits are formed in the mundane times. Allie, did you learn to cook before
1: you got married? that's a funny question (laughs) (laughs) cooking's not my best quality i enjoy it if someone were to give me a recipe and say yeah cook this i don't like the decision making in it um you know so however i would say i was what was required of me growing up was just to be diligent in my studies so i didn't do a lot in my own home so when i did move out and go to college and was a single woman on my own Those were things that I knew of, but I didn't practice except for myself selfishly in my home. So to do it for a roommate or to do it, you know, in those circumstances, it was a great time for me to learn a lot. And with that, then as I became involved as a college student within the church, I quickly learned a ton from being around other women and in their homes and in their small groups and things like that. So Again, branching outside of just the college group and getting involved with women and mothers as I was dating and then was engaged was probably paramount to my That's awesome, yeah.
0: Yeah. And that actually leads us into number six, which is if you're in a holding pattern right now, spend time with people in all walks of life. Hang out with a mom and her little people at the park Take a junior high girl out for ice cream. Read with someone's homeschool kids or any children, really. I love to read with kids. Hang out with a person like in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Ask them questions. Ask them to teach you how to do something. I think that's really cool, like bake bread or crochet. Seek out people who are lonely or those who seem to lack friendship. We have this kind of cool thing in our city called the Coffee Quest. You can go to all these different coffee shops. I mean, it's completely a marketing tool because you spend, you know, eight bucks at every spit giving your getting your fancy coffee and then at the end you get like a you know t shirt that costs eight dollars. You know what I mean? But but make a people quest this year, right? Go visit different people in different walks of life.
2: Yeah, and I think there's a lie that I believe a lot that, oh, this person doesn't want to spend time with me. This person is too busy. But I know I've had people, you know, reach out and say, Hey, do you want to go on a walk to a park? you know, younger yep. woman. And I'm like, yeah, so I'd love to. Like, I do have the time. So just ask. Yeah. And, you know,
0: people love spending time yep. with you. And yep.
2: it, it is going to be fun.
0: Yep. Okay, we've, we've said number five already, but I'm going to reiterate it. And that is be active in the body of Christ in your local church. Attend your worship. Go to Sunday school if your church offers it. Like, be there. Participate in Bible studies. Join a small group, life group, core group, people group, whatever they're called, right? <laughs> Serve in the nursery, Um, Help with kids programming, whatever it is. Be a greeter. Make coffee. I mean, these are just all really, really wonderful uses of your time. I often wonder what people do if they don't participate in the body of Christ, you know?
3: I would add to, just because this podcast is about dating, to make sure that your intention in serving is not to attract a guy. Mm -hmm. That is not a good thing. Serve God. Yeah. Serve serves, God in it. Don't try, don't be yeah. doing it too. Yeah. That's not what Julie's saying. Yeah, no.
0: But it is it's just a good use of your time. Exactly. You know, to yeah. do that. Yep. Okay, number four. This is one of my favorite. You can become a podcast host. <laughs> Learn to be an interviewer and ask questions. Allie referenced this earlier, and this is such a good idea. Make a list of questions that you could ask. Put them on your phone. Go back to it. Don't be afraid to open it up when you're sitting, you know, you can do it on the side. And ask. <laughs> Talk to girls your age. You know, ask questions to women who are older. Talk to girls who are younger. Talk to guys. Ask questions. Asking questions opens the door. Not only when you ask a question, nobody usually leaves it like laying there and no one answers. You know, so it's good and it allows you to get to know them. And actually, doing this can be sort of a practice for your beginning dating because you learn that's how you get to know somebody is ask them questions. Number three, I think this is an important one. Rejoice with your friends. Do fun parties. You know, like recently um, I knew a group of young ladies at our church who had a Galentine's party. They got together and they hung out and they just celebrated anyway. Like they weren't dating people and that's okay. Uh, Have a mug exchange at Christmas. Do a summer picnic. Have, make a pot of coffee in the morning and some scrambled eggs and have, you know, some friends over for, for breakfast before work or before class in the morning. You can have fun even when you're not dating someone. Also, a really important part about this idea of rejoicing with your friends. Rejoice when your friends are dating someone. Celebrate their engagements, their weddings, their first babies. You may not want to do this, but don't let yourself become bitter because others have good things. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And, of course, mourn with those who mourn. You know, I think this is just a part. It's biblical. It's a part of life.
2: And What a sweet a sweet woman who can do that you know who hasn't had their baby but they're planning other people's baby showers you know it's just it's so sweet and god really is honored by that
0: and nobody wants to hang out with someone when you're getting i'm sure this is true you're you have something good happening in your life and you're always with a debbie downer who's always like well i'm glad that's happening to you Mm -hmm. you know it's not happening to me (laughs) like we want to celebrate you know and that's important all right uh number two um pray We discussed this already, but um, pray for you to trust God's plan and his sovereignty. Pray for your family. Probably at this stage in life, your mom and dad probably need some prayer. They're probably taking care of their parents, and that's hard. I'm telling you that right now. Pray for your brother and your sister-in-law, your sister and your brother-in-law. Like, I don't know who's in your family, your cousins. Pray for your friends. Pray for that mom at church who you know has a scary pregnancy in front of her and tell her you prayed for her. Um, Pray for the widow. Pray. I mean, there's so many people. Pray for the lonely girl at work. Like, this is a time to use your time wisely, build this habit. I mean, I'm 49, and I'm still working on building this habit more. Yeah. So it, it, it's good to be in prayer. Okay, our last one, number one, which has been the theme of this podcast, I have to say, and that is grow in your love and knowledge of God. I heard this over and over through what you three said. Read your Bible, pray daily, study a passage alone, you know, memorize a verse, Like spend your time getting to know God, not being, lamenting the fact that you're not dating someone and look for this in a man. I think those are really, really great. Uh, Thank you so much, ladies, for coming on to share. I'm not sure yet how long this podcast will be, but I'm thinking it's like four hours or something. (laughs) There's
3: just so much to say.
0: And I don't really feel like we even covered everything. No, No. No. not at
2: all.
1: (laughs) But thank you for coming on. Allie, would you pray for us? Sure, gladly. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of marriage and the gift of singleness, and I pray that you would give those listening your peace in where they are in each stage. I pray that as women we would seek you all the days of our lives in obedience to you and to your word. May we stay rooted in your word and in the body of Christ, so that we will not be tossed by fallacies and lies that lead to bitterness and discontentment give strength and joy to each of the women listening, that they themselves may be encouraged or that they may be equipped to encourage others. We thank you for your example of love and your picture of marriage through Christ in the church. Regardless of the stage of life we are in, may we all grow deeper in our relationship with you and committed to the local body. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Next week we will be hearing about faithful discipline with Sharon Art from our mom to mom ministry. It is going to be a great conversation. Um, remember when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress because of God until next time.